Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Awakening Her podcast. As always, I'm so excited to be here today, and I'm really excited that you get to hear this special episode. In this episode, I was chilling with my girl and former client, Andrea Jenkins. And I decided to bring Andrea on the show because not only is she just a fun person to talk to, but I love to hear her journey to sobriety. So now two years sober, in this episode, she really takes you through what her life was like before, how she struggled for about 20 years with alcohol and drugs, and her rock bottom moment, as well as what it took to actually change. And this stuff is so interesting to me, what it takes to actually change. And something like addiction and alcohol, it is a really tough one for a lot of people. I know that right now in the world, there's a lot of people struggling, a lot of people needing to cope, and there's not a lot of support out there. So my intention for bringing Andrea on the show is not only to give hope to those who may be on the sobriety journey, but also to offer insight on what it really takes to change. I love how she talks about like the days and weeks following becoming sober, the different things that she used that help her, tools, mindset stuff, as well as rituals and habits that that she adopted. Just hearing her journey is super inspiring and gives us a lot when we're looking to create deep change to some of our unhealthy patterns and habits. You're going to love this chat. You're going to get a lot out of it and it's going to be a fun time. So without further ado, let's welcome Andrea onto the show. Hey Seeker, welcome to the Awakening Her podcast. I am so grateful that you've been led here and I'm excited for you that you're answering the call to manifest more magic in your life by mastering the law of attraction. So cool. My name is Talia and I'm committed to cutting the fluff and showing you exactly how to manifest more excitement, ease, success, abundance, confidence, love, and anything else you've been craving. So if you're ready to crack the code on manifestation, amplify your intuition and play in the quantum. We are now besties. Let's do this. Hey, Andrea, welcome to the show. I'm so excited that you're here today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited. I can't wait for everything that you're going to share today and hearing your journey with sobriety and healing and really stepping into yourself, growth, all the things. You've really been through a lot. So could you share with the listeners just a little bit about yourself, maybe where you're from and a little bit about your journey? Sure. So I'm 42 and I live in southwestern Ontario. Um, and I do have a 22 year old daughter. And I've spent the last 22, 20 years in the restaurant industry, um, just serving and cooking. Do you feel like you did grow up with like any insecurities or anything like that when you were a kid? Did did the did your sort of issues that led to drinking, did that start when you were young? Um, they did. Um, I started drinking when I was around 13, 14. And I have heard stories where uh, a lot of alcoholics start at much younger age. Um, I found my childhood to be really, uh, really lonely. 
And um, because I'm the youngest of three girls and my mother, my parents divorced when I was two. So my mother was either working a second job or she was at her boyfriend's. And so my sisters did do the bulk of making sure I was fed and bathed and um, taking time to hang out with me. Well, they were kind of forced to hang out with me. And so, um, and I moved quite a bit. I moved a lot. I went to, I believe I counted seven different elementary schools before grade eight. So I never really connected and made close friendships as a young child. So I always remember feeling really alone. And I spent a lot of time just riding my bike around the neighborhood and, uh, you know, maybe playing with the odd friend that I did have. But I just remember feeling alone a lot. Mm, Yeah, I can actually... I can relate to that huge. And as you're saying that, I'm kind of just seeing some things that I don't even know if I've ever put together, but I was, um, my my sister was 12 years older and she lived with her dad a lot. So I was basically an, an only kid and um, I moved a lot as well. So when you're saying that, I was thinking about all the elementary schools I'd been to and all of the moving and I stopped moving in grade nine, but up until then it was constantly and I too felt alone. And so Mm -hmm. I'm interested to hear, what do you think that that did as a kid? Like, what do you think, like, as you became a teenager, did that cause you to want to, you know, rebel or seek approval or attention? Or how do you think that that impacted you as you were growing up? Um, I definitely think that it had me seeking attention because I was really, um, I guess, out there. (laughs) I tried to dress really, you know, like, look at me. And um, it went through a provocative stage as well and just really flashy. And uh, I wanted to be noticed because I felt like I wasn't, ever noticed. Like I was the new kid. So a lot. And that just, it wasn't, yeah, it was, it was really hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard to be the new kid, especially in those ages. And I remember I, I, it always felt like I would just make some friends and then I would move again and -hmm. I would just make some friends and I would move again. And as you're mentioning that, I was just thinking like my husband lived in one place for pretty much his whole life. And he had such a community and a foundation. And he, you know, had some struggle with alcohol a little bit in his 20s, but he never got into drugs. He never really experienced that as much. And just as you're speaking, I'm wondering that when you have those roots, when you have that foundation in your community and you have friends and friends as parents looking out for you, and maybe it actually causes some more safety and maybe... you're less likely to kind of to rebel because I don't know if you felt this way, but I always felt like no one really knew me. (laughs) So there's nobody's parents looking out for me because nobody really knew me. And so I could kind of rebel and get away with it. I don't know. Did you ever feel anything like that? Yeah. And to be honest, I, I didn't really care if they, if like my mom or anyone knew what I was up to. I just I just like would leave <laughs> and go sleep on someone's couch or mm-hmm. yeah, I left home at a pretty uh, young age, actually at 16, I ended up leaving home and I went and 
stayed on my sister's friend's couch. They were university students and I went and lived there for the summer and partied with them when I was 16. And then um, I think after that, I moved to one of my friend's house. Her mother let me come and stay, stay there for about a year. And uh, then, yeah, then I did move back home and I met my daughter's father. And uh, yeah. <laughs> so how did you, how did the like, the starting to party journey happen? Like you were just talking a little bit about that, but you were saying you were like 16 or was it younger when you started partying? About, about 15 is when I really started to, to, to black out. And it started with the drinking and um, a lot of LSD too, 15, 16. Um, I took a lot of acid probably for a year solid. I would skip a day, skip two days, double up, triple up, that kind of thing. And um, I basically, I think I, I just fell right into that because I wanted to fit in somewhere. I wanted to feel um, a social circle and, and get that comfort from friends from all angles and something that I'd never really uh, felt before. But, you know, looking back, it's like, I, I didn't even really receive that. It, it's weird because you, you have all of these people around you, but I always remember still feeling like that, that lonely person in the corner, even though I was like at the party and whatever with, with a bunch of people all the time, I, I still always had that lonely feeling like hanging out in the corner by myself kind of thing. Mm, so, so yeah. even when, even when you were around people physically, you're still feeling alone inside. Yeah, I did. What do you think that is now? Like that you have the perspective that you have now? Because I think a lot of us have that where it's like, I'm not physically alone, yet I feel so alone. Mm, I think maybe touching on what we were talking about a little earlier, I think it's just not being in touch with, with your self, with your authentic self and not listening to who you are and what you like and what you want and what you need and just kind of pushing all of that aside and rolling out the red carpet for everyone else other than yourself, basically. Mm. So, yeah, I think that's what it, what it comes from when I think about it now and look back. Yeah. It's just, just ignoring myself Mm. Yeah. And we were talking before we hit record, we're talking a little bit about intuition, which I would like to come back to, you know, as we're talking about your life now, um, because I know intuition has played a big role in your life. Do you think at that time when you were partying and all of that, did you have any sense of intuition, do you feel, or, you know, wanted to listen to it or any relationship with your intuition? Oh, I, I did. I always knew. I always have had such a strong intuition and I just completely numbed it out unconsciously. Like I didn't, I didn't realize what I was doing then. And it just gradually graduated from this weekend thing to, oh, it's Tuesday night. Oh, it's Wednesday. Now it's Thursday. And it just gradually kept progressing throughout the last 15 to 20 years. And it did not start like that at all. Um, yeah, my intuition has always been strong. I always ignored it. 
And now that um, I'm kind of two years, I'm January 6th will be two years free from alcohol and drugs. Uh, it's just, it's, it's like a second heartbeat now almost in my ear. I, I'm, it's really getting stronger and I'm really paying attention to it. And it is, it's unbelievable when, when I listen to it now, um, the things that happen like synchronicities and, you know, things just seem to happen for me easily. When I listen to it, (laughs) I, I almost feel magic some days. Like some days I really do. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, it's our direct line to source, right? Can you tell me a little bit about what life was like right before you chose to get sober and kind of what that, um, what led you to really want to get sober and, and make that change? Ooh, yeah, that was, um, that was pretty rough, rough time the last year or so that I was using, um, it was like, again, like just, uh, I had exited out of a 12 year relationship the previous year before I got sober. So that really was the beginning of my healing journey, exiting out of that relationship. And then to not have that codependency for somebody else to always be there yet they were emotionally unavailable. Um, I felt alone. So getting out of that and then actually being alone and feeling that loneliness, I found that I was still drinking and partying as I was when I was in that toxic relationship. It wasn't a horrible relationship or anything, but just not good. Yeah. I found myself, um, eventually I was just having a party for one and, uh, there were nights I was just hanging out, listening to the most depressing nineties grunge music and just drinking and doing things by myself, having the best time. And I didn't really, um, feel any shame about it at the time until, you know, the next day it was just the guilt. Like I I felt guilty. It was like this never ending cycle. I have been in for the last 15 years where, Um, I feel really good. I haven't drank for four or five days and I'm exercising, eating well. I feel good. So let's drink. And then I would feel the shame and the guilt for two to three days after, after the physical hangover would, uh, would wear off. And then, uh, I would repeat like rinse, wash, rinse, repeat kind of thing for so long. I guess what really, what really was the worst part of it all is that I was checking out from emotionally from my daughter. And so I had this huge realization that uh, I was doing the exact same thing my mother did to me, which was she checked out emotionally. Um, There was no kind of guidance or support or a strong feminine role in my life. And that is absolutely not what I wanted to do for my daughter because when she was a baby, I envisioned us just being this power team and, you know, hanging out and trusting each other. She can come to me and, and it just was not like that. She had no respect for me. She was old enough now. She saw what I was doing and um, she even had to pick me up once when I was just completely inebriated, which was awful. Uh, It, it traumatized her. That event did traumatize her seeing me like that. And it just shattered, shattered my heart. And, uh, I had to realize that, that it just had to end. Like I had to just quit. There's no way around it. 
I had tried to, I'll only drink beer. Oh, I won't do shots or I won't hang out with that person or, and it didn't work. It, it was all from me. It was all from me. So yeah, that was really the, the last stretch was realizing I was passing down that generational um, wound from my mother. I was doing that the exact same thing to my daughter, but in a different form. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Had, so had you tried to quit before or had it always been like, I'll cut down, I'll do this, like you were mentioning? It it was mostly that, just I'll cut down, won't do shots, won't go to this place. Um, I did go to some uh, 12-step meetings uh, about when I, when I was around 30 and I went for about three months and that's all it lasted was three months. And that's really the only amount of time I could get sober in the last 20 years was about three months. So yeah. it sounds like that rock bottom moment, for lack of better words, I know it's cheesy, but realizing what you were creating, the pattern you were creating and living out with your daughter, it sounds like that was the the thing you needed to fuel actual long-term change. Yeah, exactly. And realizing that throughout her childhood, she because she she was fortunate enough to have a dad that would pick her up every weekend. And so she spent time at her dad's every single weekend. So I was like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. But even when she would come home on Monday after school, I was so hungover. I was checked out on the couch until, you know, Wednesday. And then, oh, she's back to her dad's on Friday. So it, mm-hmm. like I was checked out for a lot of that time when she was small. And she didn't real. She's told me she she didn't really realize, like she didn't understand what was going on because mm-hmm. I was there. But I know I re- wasn't. I wasn't mm-hmm. full on mama, you know, which which I wanted to be, but I couldn't. Mm-hmm. So, and then just even taking it um, that step even further back and realizing that I had checked out for all those years was even still like just a stab, like, what have I created? What have I created for myself? I'm 40 and (laughs) this is my life. No, I don't think so. Not anymore. So. Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing all that. I know that it's, it's our messy bits, right? And none of us really want to share our messy bits, let alone get on a public podcast about it. But I do really appreciate your vulnerability. And I know that there's people listening that can really not only be inspired by your strength, but also relate on some level, right? And as you're speaking, I just feel like it's such a miracle and it was just your time to make change because it's common for people to feel that shame, but then that's what fuels them to keep drinking as you knew, right? From your shame cycle you were describing before. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes even those bigger things like realizing what you're doing to your daughter some people it snaps them out of it and some people it throws them deeper into it. So I just feel so grateful being here with you and having the chance to connect with you over the last few months and stuff. I'm just so grateful that you created that because you did that, right? And and we do have the universe and we do have guides and angels. And I believe, especially in times like that, they're huge help. But at the mm-hmm. end of the day, you do have free will as a human. And so I just want to acknowledge the fact that that 
in that time, you chose the light over deeper darkness. Really good job on that. <laughs> so can you then share, I'm so curious, um, sobriety and making change. It's all so interesting to me because mm-hmm. I find I'm just obsessed with really making life change and having people make life change and what actually has us able to make these huge changes, right? So can you kind of tell me about like, even like the days you chose to get sober and the immediate um, time around that? Like, what did you do differently? What did Mm -hmm. life all of a sudden become? Like, what was that like? Um, It was really hard at first because I, I literally had to like yank myself away from the people that I was hanging out with. Definitely um, a lot a lot changed during that time when I finally decided uh, enough enough was enough. Um, I had to pull out from the people that I hung out with, which was extremely difficult because I didn't quite have the emotional capacity to articulate it in a way um, without feelings getting hurt or, um, you know, uh, there's only so much you can make somebody understand from your perspective And, you know, like I I basically had to dump my best friend at the time. And that was really hard for me to do. And, you know, I'm sure it was hard for her as well. It is what it is. I had to do it for, I was literally in uh, fight or flight mode. Like I felt like this is it. Like I'm in fight or flight. So um, I attempted to just do, do it my, on my own. And uh, fortunately um, a very good friend of mine, happened to come back into my life at that time. And, um, he, he really helped me understand certain patterns and behaviors and helped me connect them to my childhood, which I never really looked in that type of a way before. And to help me understand how I had ended up where I was. And it was, um, and that the drinking and the drugs were just a coping mechanism from things that have happened and I haven't really looked at or felt through. Like, you know, that abandonment, you know, not having, you know, secure, strong parents, uh, having resentment from my sister who had to do the majority of watching me and all that stuff. And so having him really helped me guide me through that stuff, understanding that it was like, Oh, wait a minute. So it started off this way, but then it turns into such a chemical kind of physiological with your brain, you know, now I've created this pattern. So it's a habit. And now I've got to break this habit yet understand the roots of how I created that habit. So, um, I tried to do that. I started, uh, November, of 18. And then I went about three weeks and then I had a bender and I was like, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to be doing this. Okay. Let's get back on track. And then I went about a couple, two or three more weeks and same thing. And then finally, um, January 6th, that weekend was like a write-off. Like that whole weekend was a write-off. And I was like, wait a minute, I need to do something else. This isn't working. And I, kept telling myself, I tried the 12 steps. I, it wasn't really for me. I wasn't, it wasn't striking that chord I needed to, to kind of move over the mountain. So I just ended up doing a Google search for free addiction help. 
uh, for my city, free addiction help in Ontario. And um, a couple things came up and I was like, I'm, I'm doing this. I called the number, I made an appointment. And then um, I just started, I jumped into any um, sober podcast I could find. I Googled sober podcasts and just started listening to all of the sober podcasts. And um, I found a creative outlet too. It was actually one of my healing tools after exiting out of that long-term relationship. My intuition screamed at me. It literally was like, there was no denying. My intuition was like, you need to get creative in order to heal. And I just kept hearing that over and over in my mind uh, when I exited out of that relationship. And I was like, okay, I guess I need to, to do something creative and have a creative outlet. And I tried guitar lessons. I tried a wood-burning mandala course. And then I came across this dot art that I do now. And I paint beautiful mandalas with dots of acrylic paint. That was it. And uh, I just started delving into that while I listened to these sober podcasts for hours and hours. Literally, I would come home on a Friday night and do it till three in the morning. And uh, then I would just go to sleep and wake up and go to the gym and feel really good and no guilt, no shame. And then I started an eight-week outpatient program. It was only two days a week for about three hours. But um, I was so serious. Like I was like the brown nose of the class. Like I was raising my hand. I was answering things. I was in the front of the class. Like I was, I was just ready. I was ready for whatever help I could get. And then, um, as, as an after, cause I do know a little bit about the 12 steps. So as an aftercare, after that eight weeks was done, I had set up, um, four, four or six, um, therapy appointments that I paid with out of my own pocket. Um, with a addiction specialist therapist. So I went to that as well and um, just, just focused on um, whatever tools I could cultivate to create a different life because my life up until then was just hanging out in bars and shooting pool. And I just really had to go out on my own and be alone and get comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I there's so much in there about getting comfortable with being alone. Um, mm-hmm. But to go back to just what you were sharing, that's so beautiful. And one thing that I really see in everything that you were saying is you were being at cause of your life, meaning you were making that shit happen. You were making sobriety happen. And I mm-hmm. think that just for everyone listening it's really important to take action when you know deep down that you need to do something or you need to move forward in a certain way. And again, kind of coming back to what I was saying before is we have universe, we have support. There was, you know, once you were searching, certain pivotal podcasts came your way, certain things that that stuff is like the connecting bits, but you had to do a lot to make Mm -hmm. that change. Like you said, sort of heartbreaking conversations with best friends, cutting off what you were doing, even hearing the voice that was saying to have a creative outlet, you were trying this, you're trying that to find what was, what was seeking you, right. To find the things that were meant to come into your path to really help you with this. And I just, it's so amazing that you did that because it does take effort. It does take a, a a fire inside for a different life. And I really believe that the universe 
also places that fire in us and wants us to follow it. And when we follow it, it will match you. It will keep dripping the important people into your experience and materials. And you found dot art and Absolutely. you found podcasts, right? But mm-hmm. we have to do that. So really, I just want to acknowledge you really being at cause of your life. You created this. You created this sober life. You didn't have to. There's probably people you know that are still partying. I know from my partying days, there's people you know that are still still doing that because we all have a different journey and um, not everybody sort of makes that change because it does take some effort, especially at first. It takes a reframing. It takes a rewiring, right? Everything mm-hmm. from your habits to the, your thoughts. It, it, it really takes a lot of work. So Absolutely. good job doing that. That's well, incredible. Mm-hmm. And it's neat that you're saying, you know, you found Dot Art and you'd be listening to podcasts up till 3 a.m. because you may have been up till 3 a.m. or later exactly. anyway, but exactly. now you are channeling it into something so healthy. That's so, mm-hmm. that's just so and amazing. I can't even begin to explain um, the doors that began opening like immediately. Like uh, that was January. I got sober. And by April, I was signed up for an art fest and was taking part in an art fest in June. Like what? I never thought in a gajillion years I would ever be doing something like that. And uh, if I was still drinking, I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't be doing that. And just um, the type of people I attract into my life now too is just complete 180. Um, I no longer attract uh, the same type of people that I was before. And also, uh, if I could point out as well, just learning boundaries, learning what what so when i say boundaries having boundaries for other people is a little bit easier than learning boundaries for yourself and listening to yourself and that's where kind of listening to my own intuition is helping me create those boundaries for myself not just for other people you can have those type of boundaries all day but when you're stepping over your own boundaries and then you have like a little you know little breakdown at the end of the day and you're wondering why, why am I feeling like, well, you, you didn't listen to your own boundaries. And that's what I'm finding. That's what I'm really learning right now too, is listening to my own boundaries as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me more about that? Like, what do you mean your own boundaries and how do you step over your own boundaries? Well, uh, if, you know, someone asks me something and I, you know, I'm hearing no to, to just say, no, thank you. and just uh, do my own thing, just really listening to myself and not letting what other people, you know, think I should, should be doing influence me anymore. It's just listening to my own authentic self and, and not feeling guilty being unapologetically me. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. It's like the boundary is listening to your truth. That's right. Yeah. And, and when you don't listen, when you hear that voice and you don't listen, um, yeah, it's neat. I've never almost really thought about that as a boundary, but it is. It's an understanding, right? And I like to think sometimes boundaries like I'm no longer available for this as a starting mm-hmm. point, right? If you could just no longer be available for what, right? And for yourself, it's like ignoring that voice. I'm no longer mm-hmm. available to ignore that voice and and ignore my truth. Yeah. 
Absolutely. That's amazing. So I'd love to talk um, too about what you feel have been the most important aspects of your healing or what have you used on your journey? What different modalities? I definitely hear like the art. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that that's been so important. And by the way, your art's so incredible. (laughs) It's so amazing. I love seeing you posting and sharing, you know, what you're doing because it's amazing. And behind you on the wall, they're just all so beautiful. There's more since the last time I've talked to you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've been on a a dotting rampage. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. Yeah, so if you could share some of the important things that you do that that are important in your healing, basically. Um, well, as you know, to nature is huge for me. I've always, uh, well, since, since I was about really in my late twenties to 30, I really started, um, getting out to nature more and not to the full capacity that I do now, but, um, I just find it so extremely soothing and the clarity it brings to me, uh, is, is just I like I leave with such gratitude when I leave from a walk. Um, not every time, but a lot of the times when I'm leaving the park or wherever I am at in a wooded area, um, I just have so much awe and wonder and and curiosity sparked for uh, my life and what what I can what I can produce and just. Uh, just my potential, like my, I can feel my potential just brewing up. And there's literally been a few times as I'm leaving the the woods where like certain elements of my life kind of float together, like a puzzle in my mind. And, and it all just had to happen this way for me to get here. And now what's, what's the next way I, I'm free to choose. So, and especially without the the haze and the fog of hangovers and all that, it's, it's just, it's limitless. I'm feeling like I can create something really cool with my life. Yeah. I think that's so cool to share about nature because a lot of us do feel that um, deep connection to nature. And I know that you're also unique in that way. If anyone can relate and they feel like, they're a hundred percent there with nature. All the wisdom in the world comes to them out in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrea's a uh, a nature empath. There are people who that's where um, their intuition comes out the most is in nature, and you're one of those people, which is just so mm-hmm. neat. And to spend time in nature is like your spiritual practice. <laughs> it is. It is. I've been saying that for a few years now. Uh, nature, nature is my religion. And, uh, there's this one particular park called Point Pelee and Point Pelee is my church. So I've been saying that for, for a couple of years now. (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. So -hmm. what else have you done and tried on your healing journey? I know you love exercise and, you know, getting quiet meditation, things like that. Can you take us through a few of the things that kind of keep you grounded, keep you on this path, keep you committed to your health? Um, just taking really, really good care of myself. I've noticed one of the habits I've picked up uh, in the last like seven, seven months or so is like right away when I wake up, I brush my teeth now. <laughs> I'm really like um, a lot more cleaner with my my body, and um, I try to not to not be so critical of myself when I do make an unhealthy food choice. I'm really learning to be kinder to myself now. Um, I was very critical 
the first year, just very harsh to myself. And now I'm just learning to be um, kinder in like how you would talk to a child, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't really know any better because I am still, still learning myself. I'm learning who I am, uh, you know, out from under this fog and uh, just being kinder. And uh, one other thing that really helps me, um, I just did this recently the other week was um, letter burnings. I do those quite, quite frequently, actually. So I did, um, I did a forgiveness letter burning. So where I forgave myself, I just continuously wrote, I forgive myself for, and just filled the front and the back of the page in a minute, like this last time around, just when you think you kind of have something a little figured out, it, it reveals another, it reveals another layer, like, like that old saying, you know, it's like peeling the layers off. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it's not, it's not as, as harsh as the layers come off. So. Yeah. I've, I, yeah, I've recently done a few letter burnings, which I hadn't done in years, but it's really, I think as my own connection to the universe deepens and to myself and my energy, it's really relieving to kind of write out, like you say, you think you've got a good handle on like, the stuff you're carrying and all this, but you give yourself the chance to write it out and more comes forward than you were aware is in there. That's been my experience anyways. And that's kind of what you're saying. And then burning it is just such a nice release. Mm-hmm. It's like, I just kind of, what I see is like, I pass it over to the universe. Like I'm doing mm-hmm. my job to kind of conjure it up, see it, be with it, love myself anyway, write it out. And then I kind of just trust in the universe to take it from there. And that burning is such a beautiful way of just, it feels like it's dissolving. It's so nice. <laughs> it does. It's, it's a release and it, it depends on what you want to release. But this last one that I did with, there was so much guilt and shame from mm. the things that I wrote on that, on that letter. So to release that, it, it was really, it was really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, I really thank you for sharing your journey. And I know there's a lot of people that are interested in being sober or have struggled to become sober. Um, before we go, is there any sort of last things, words of wisdom or things you've learned, reflections that you could pass on to people that are maybe in this situation and really want a better life for themselves and see see it maybe being getting sober? Uh, one main tool that, um, that I find is extremely so helpful. And I know it's kind of a popular term is just radical self-awareness, just really asking yourself, what is causing this reaction? What, like, how, how am I actually feeling when you take off whatever, you know, uh, narrative that you may have attached to it. Just, just really being honest, just being freaking honest with yourself and, and doing, doing what it takes to get to that outcome. Like just do it, just do whatever you have to do, whether it be talk to someone or make a plan for some type of a rehab or anything. Just do what you have to do and be radically honest with yourself. That's one of the main things that have really helped me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and maybe um, 
Do you have any tips about like starting to listen to your intuition more to lead you to health and healing? Yeah, just uh, if you you have that inner nudge, it started to turn into like a little like a anxiety ball in my in my belly. Is that inner that inner intuition? If I wasn't listening to it, I would physically feel like a, a knot in my gut, and um, because I knew I wasn't doing what was best for my highest self really. And I think that's what, I think that's what my whole, not my whole journey, but this growth season I'm going through right now is just really um, doing the things that, that are best for my highest self and making that a habit now instead of the destructive things. So listen to your body. How does it feel? What are your thoughts telling you um, to do to help yourself and just listen to it? Do you feel like it gets easier as more time goes on to stay in the light? I'm just going to say the light generally, meaning health and happiness and all of that. Is it easier now than it was a year ago? It is definitely easier now. The first year, it was it was difficult, like for sure. Like it, there's no, it was not a walk in the park. Like I really had to um, understand. Uh, you know, um, what triggers were going to do for me and what, what I needed to do if I got triggered. So actually there's this one, um, incident, if I could share really quick, uh, I had a, a massive trigger. It was like two weeks in after January 6th, when I officially quit, um, somebody actually, it was my, my friend that I was hanging out with at the time that I had to break up with. She came up to me at work and was, uh, bragging about her night out, how she drank so much and this and that. And I was just like, I didn't even say anything. I just kind of dropped, dropped my jaw and was like, Oh, really? And then I just kept my distance from her the rest of the night. And I was like thinking, how could you come up to me? You know what I'm trying to do. And you're telling me about your crazy party night the night before. And then so I left work when work was done and I'm driving. And immediately when I got in my car, I had what I describe as this um, evil excitement brewing in my belly. And I was like, wait, what's this feeling? It was a trigger, but I didn't know at the time because I never really felt through triggers before because I would just make that phone call or stop at the liquor store. So I was having a trigger and I didn't know it. So I actually shut my radio off so I could hear my thoughts. And I was feeling this, like this evil excitement, as I describe it in my belly brew up. And I was like, holy crap, this is, I'm having a trigger. This is a trigger. And then, and then instantaneously, as I realized it was a trigger, um, I believe that a message from the universe uh, went through and um, told me this is no longer on my agenda. And I was like, wait, what's, I, I heard it in my head. So I said it out loud like 10 times. I was like, this is no longer on my agenda. And I threw a couple of explicits in there as well. And I'm sitting there driving, screaming this in my car. And literally that trigger, after I said it about 10 times with passion and conviction, that trigger just diminished. I felt it diminish. And then I proceeded to go home, do my little dot art, go to sleep and wake up and go to the gym the next day. And to be quite honest, after I handled that massive trigger, um, that was my mantra for the next 10 months. Like the universe gave me a mantra. I was like, that is no longer on my agenda. Anytime any type of trigger would come up, 
I would, I would say, and I would say it out loud, that is not on my agenda. No, thank you. <laughs> so it was really quite, quite a powerful experience. So that was really neat. So I just come up with these little different mantras and things that I tell myself to, to reprogram that habitual pattern in my brain. Cause that's really what it had turned into after so much time, you know? That is so amazing. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that because I know a lot of us have things we do, whether it's alcohol or food or whatever other coping strategies we have, and we want to change. So hearing that and like, this is no longer on my agenda. That's so awesome. It's just like so firm and almost like I was saying, I'm no longer available for this. It's kind of like, nah, Mm -hmm. it's like a wall has been placed. Mm -hmm. That's so great. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, Andrea. And yeah, I'm just so honored that you decided to come on. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Hey love, I hope today's episode resonated deep with you. If you loved what you heard today, let me know on Facebook or Instagram at Talia Joy Manifestation. I love seeing the screenshots of you guys listening to the show as well as your big takeaways. For real, come hang out. I am so excited to expand my tribe and connect with you always. So until the next episode, sending you so much love and light. You are rocking it. You're exactly what the world needs.